1 Timothy chapter 2. Um, our nation is going through a deep hardship right now. Um, our world has always been going through deep hardships. As I mentioned in Sunday school this morning, there has never been a time in human history where you could find a globe at peace. This, this world has never been at peace um, since Adam and Eve's sin in the garden. There's, there is nothing new or unusual about what happened in Washington, D.C. this last week. The unusual thing is that it happened in our country during our lifetime. That, that's the part that's unusual for you and I. Brother, sister, remember that this world is not our home. And, and sometimes during a week like this, we are profoundly reminded of that. We are, though, we're citizens of heaven. We are sojourners. We are pilgrims. We are children of a heavenly father. We are subjects of the king of all the kings. So it's important for us to remember those things right now. And during a week like this last week, it's one of those moments where our heart and mind um, are figuratively dipped into the hot water as if we are a tea bag. And when we're dipped into the hot water circumstances of life, what's on the inside begins to come out, right? And it's super obvious, those who are prolific on Facebook, right? It's super obvious what's in their heart because it's just, they're just throwing it out there, right? And that's, that's really them. That really is how, I mean, like, you know, I, I'm not pointing fingers at anyone in here um, this morning um, unless you need to have my finger pointed at you. Um, uh what kinds of things, brother, what, what kinds of things came out of your tea bag this week? Were you terrified? Were you angry? Were you fearful? Were you anxious? All of us in here experienced one or some of those emotions. Right? I, I doubt anyone watched what happened in our nation and just kind of stood aloof and unmoved by the events, right? I don't think anybody just watched them and had no feelings, thoughts whatsoever. No, we're human, and we're going to have, we're gonna have uh, feelings and thoughts about them. The thing that I want to get at here this morning is what, what did you think? What are you thinking on right now? And this is where, again, and I know I sound like a broken record sometimes, this is where I'm going to say, again, brothers and sisters, it is so important that you are soaking your heart and mind in the Word of God. Because we will not naturally and instinctively and automatically just think and say and feel the right things. We have a sinful nature that's prone to wander. And we need the truth of God's Word to constantly be informing and reforming us. So now more than ever... And I think this is true statement more than ever. I think I can say that honestly and truly. For us in this room, more than ever in our lifetime, we must have the Bible to back up our thoughts and our words and our attitudes and our actions. You have to have biblical truth backing up what you're saying and what you're thinking. And not just a Bible verse that we misconstrue to support what we want to support. We have to know what God's Word says 
and be constantly meditating on it and applying it. So the main point this morning is this. We must pray for peace so that the gospel can advance. We must pray for peace so that the gospel can advance. You see that main point up there on the screen. Let me read 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. And most of you know this, but let me remind you that Paul is writing to his young son in the faith, Timothy, his child in the faith. Chapter 1, Paul calls Timothy his child in the faith. And he's writing to Timothy while Timothy is in the city of Ephesus. And Ephesus is not a city, it's not a Christian city, it's, it's not a city based on Judeo-Christian ethics, it's not a city with Christian rulers, it's not a city who, right? It is a pagan city ruled by pagans who have no concern or care for the God of the Bible and Christianity whatsoever. Not whatsoever. And Paul is actually imprisoned by the same rulers of that same city. Okay, So wicked city, wicked government. First of all, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people. So what is Paul, first of all, telling Timothy to do? One quick, simple word. What is he telling him to do? Pray. Verse 2, pray for kings and for all who are in high positions. Right, so, so maybe Paul is in prison at the moment. Certainly Nero is governing the, Rome, the, the known world at the time. And when Paul tells Timothy to pray for kings and all authorities, this is, new, this is a new way of thinking for Timothy. The, the, the Hebrew culture at the time, the Hebrew scriptures, didn't include praying for bad guys. Unless it was imprecatory prayers, right? God, you know, kill them. That's not what Paul is getting at here. Pray for kings and all who are in high positions. That we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. We want to stop there, right? Paul, telling Timothy, Timothy... Pray for those in authority over you and pray that your life can be flowery beds of ease, right? We could end verse 2. In fact, probably, there have probably been sermons that have been preached that way, but that is not where Paul's argument, it's not what Paul's getting at. Paul actually isn't getting at, hey, pray that you can live a really easy life, right, as he's writing from prison. Verse 3, this is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. There is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. For this I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I am telling the truth. I am not lying. A teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. God, please use your word to rewire our sinful thinking this morning. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. First of all, we need to pray for our rulers. That's point number one. Three simple points this morning. Point number one, we need to pray for our rulers. I have done more worrying and more news surfing than I have done praying in the last four days. I'm going to guess that probably most of us have. And that's not what God has called us to do. He has said, first of all, 
I urge that supplications and prayers and intercessions and thanksgiving be made for all peoples. Now, these words, supplications, intercessions, prayers, and thanksgiving, they're, they're different words. They're, they're, um, they each have kind of slightly different nuances of meaning, but we're not going into all of that this morning. The point is this. He's saying pray. Pray, 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 pray for all people. The main point of this passage and the main point that I want us to walk away with this morning is this. We need to be people who are praying. We need to be praying for all people, but we need to be praying for our authorities, our kings, those that are in um, uh, high positions. Our world is in desperate and great need, and we need to pray, but we don't. We think that there are a lot of other things that we can do that would be far more helpful than praying. He says, first of all, pray. But what do you do first of all? What do you do first when crises happen, when something bad happens, when something scary happens, when something enters into your life that's unnerving? What's the first thing that you do? We want to call a friend or post on social media or start listening to voices that, you know, when we start listening to the right opinions or we listen to the wrong opinions or, you know, I mean, there's a lot of other things that we want to do first. But brothers and sisters, this is how spiritual work is accomplished, through prayer. John Piper says this about this passage. He says, prayer taps the power of God. On behalf of others, we could try to help others, even presidents and congressmen and governors and mayors and aldermen and police chiefs without praying for them. By the way, he wrote this in in the early 1980s. This was not written for this weekend. We could try to help others without praying for them. And judged from a very limited perspective, we might do a little good that way. Your vote, your call, your email, your protest. Judged from an earthly sense, you might do a very little good from that perspective. But the little good that we could do by our power is not worthy to be compared with the great good God can do for people that he sets out to work for. So if we want the best for people, if we really love them, of first importance will be prayers on their behalf. The first thing you do for a person if you love them is to ask God to work for them. Of course, God's answer to your prayer will almost always include your work of love but it will also include much more than you alone could accomplish. See, our prayers even reflect the fact that we think of ourselves as God more than we think of God as God. We think, I'll tack a little bit of prayer on at the end, but boy, howdy, I'm going to light up Facebook. I'm going to send out emails. I'm going to talk to people. And we actually think that our power is more powerful than the power of God. We really do. And he says, of course, God's answer to your prayer will almost always include your work of love. So I'm not saying close yourself up in your house and never do anything good. Of course not. 
But the idea of praying and begging God to be at work and then my being at work as well, they have to go hand in hand. They have to be done together. And Paul is telling Timothy to, to pray for all people. And in a moment we're going to see because, because um, the reason he's doing that is because God actually wants all people to be saved. But we are very territorial in our praying. I mean, we really are. We, we pray for just the kind of immediate family members or a few ministries that we're aware of or the good people like us. One, uh, uh, Pastor Piper says this, don't let your prayers be limited to any one group of people or kind of people. Enlarge the circumferences of your love. Don't be provincial, sectarian, nationalistic, elitist, or racist in your prayers. Let your prayers embrace all kinds of people, high and low, white and black, Democrats and Republicans, Soviet premiers and Iranian ayatollahs. Again, written in the 1980s. This is not, this is not written recently. It's amazing how um, helpful uh, this, uh, these comments are from him. We're to pray for all people, but in particular, and it's interesting that Paul would name authorities in particular. Pray for everybody, and everybody includes everybody. But then Paul does something that I have a feeling would have kind of annoyed Timothy as much as it annoys us. Pray for kings and all those who are in high positions. I mean, imagine Timothy getting this and thinking, he means Nero? He means the really bad guy that's in charge right now? And, the, and, you know, I mean, think about Paul's own life. We just got finished reading through the book of Acts, and over and over in the book of Acts, Paul is standing before these different Agrippa and, and, um, and others who are godless men who have made life really hard for these men. This would have been shocking. This would have been a shocking thing to pray for. One commentary says, there, will, there, there may well have been a murmur of surprise when Timothy read this to the Ephesian church. The traditional prayers of the Jewish synagogue did not include petitions for people in authority, especially Gentiles. Furthermore, there were no Christian kings in those days, only pagans. Men like the Roman emperor Nero, who threw Christians to the lions and used them as torches to light his garden. It's interesting what Paul is calling upon Timothy to pray for and whom to pray for. Another author says, Consider how Clement of Rome, this is an old early pastor, prayed for the rulers and governors of the earth in the early 2nd century. Here's how he prayed. Grant to them, Lord, health, peace, harmony, and stability, that they may blamelessly administer the government which you have given them. Who sets up kings and takes them down? God does. God does. He can use rigged elections. He can use dangling chads. That dates me a little bit. Some of you remember several election cycles ago, right? God can use what he wills to put into government those that he wants. Sorry, I, I interrupted um, Clement's prayer. Lord, direct their plans according to what is good and pleasing in your sight, so that by devoutly administering in peace and gentleness the authority which you have given them, they may experience your mercy. So he's saying, God, would you please help them 
to exercise their political authority, their governing authority, would you help them govern us in a way that they may be blameless? Acknowledging they are not Christians, they're not believers, they're not trying to enforce some kind of Judeo-Christian moral government upon us. We, I'm just asking that the authority that you have given them would be exercised in a way to keep peace. So imagine, again, during this time, the Roman government is the government of the world. It's the government of the land. And, and Paul recognizes that even the bad government of Rome is better than anarchy. Paul's life has been spared several times now by Roman soldiers who rescued him from lawless mobs. So even this bad government is being used by God to protect Paul and to advance God's own plan. All rulers everywhere. Of course, we need a more global perspective. We need to remember our brothers and sisters around the globe, and it's something that I'm even trying to work into our Sunday morning prayers more often is to remember the persecuted church or other Christians in other places. We should pray for our brothers and sisters in other places, right? Other countries. We should pray for Israel and North Korea. We should pray for England and Iran. Again, because all authority is ordained by God, right? Romans 13. You know Romans 13, right? I hope you know Romans 13. Romans 13 needs to be one of those passages that we go to right now because we need the security that that brings to us. Romans 13.1, let every person be subject to the governing authorities. There is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. So first of all, we have to pray, and we have to pray for our authorities. And secondly, now, we pray for peace. Look in verse 2, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. Now, we read verse 2 and we think, well, obviously what we're praying for is that I get to live an easy life. Peace and quiet means vacation. So I need to be praying for the governors, the kings, the people in high positions, yeah, many of whom I just think are rascals, but I'm going to pray for them so that life can be a vacation right now, so that life can be easy, right? Peaceful and quiet, peace and quiet. Your kids are running crazy through the house, and you yell at them and tell them to go to their room, and you say, I just need a little Peace and quiet. We all know what peace and quiet is. We all know that we want peace and quiet. On the rare occasions in your life where you are on vacation and you're on the lake, right? Jerry knows what it's like to be out on a peaceful Michigan lake in the morning as the sun's coming up and you're fishing, right? Or being up in the mountains um, as the sun's going down or the sun's coming. Like we, we, know, we know what peace and quiet is. And that, we think that's what we want, that shalom, that peace, that Sabbath rest. One commentator says, this was not a prayer to live a quiet middle-class life free from stress. Paul never encouraged that. In fact, in 2 Timothy, he says, everyone who wants to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. His prayer here for those in authority implicitly asked for peaceful conditions in which Christians could freely live out exemplary lives so that the unsaved would speak well of Christ and their teaching. 
Paul uses an identical language in 1 Timothy chapter 4, telling believers to lead a quiet life so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders. We stop at the end of verse 2, uh, or at the, at the end of, uh, of, of peaceful and quiet. What Paul's praying for is that we as Christians would have the freedom and ability to live godly and dignified lives. Paul is after your Christian testimony more than your Christian comfort. This prayer request is that we may be able to live out loud, bold, competent Christian lives in the world that we live in. It's not primarily about comfort. It's about evangelism. Is it possible that the peace and quiet Paul was praying for was the peace and quiet that he was experiencing in a Roman prison? Is is it possible that that's what he actually has in mind? Because we have to remember this prayer request amidst all the other things that Paul communicated. The law and order provided by the Roman government was preferable to anarchy in Paul's mind, and it was certainly it even kept him alive there in that moment. We pray for peace and quiet so that we can live godly and holy. We pray for peace and quiet so that our financial investments will do well. We pay for, pray for peace and quiet so that we can get the boat. We pray for peace and quiet so that our children can live in the same comfort that we've always lived in. That's not why Paul is praying for peace and quiet. Paul's praying for peace and quiet so that the advance of a different king's kingdom could go forth. Right? So imagine, Paul's telling Timothy, pray to God that Nero would rule, that, that Emperor Nero would rule in such a way that we can now go tell people about a king who's above King Nero. We want, we want the President of the United States to govern in such a way that we can look people in the eye and say, there is something so much better than the President of the United States. There, listen, there is a nation that is so much greater than the United States of America. That should not sound scandalous to say, but it sounds scandalous to say, but it shouldn't. There is a nation that is infinitely greater than the United States of America. God, would you please allow our governors, our mayors, our Senate and Congress, our our president that is and our our president-elect to rule in such a way that we can tell people that there is a greater nation than the United States of America. But it's not just that we're praying that way. Our lives are lived in godliness and dignity in such a way that people see it. Do you you see the connection? I'm praying that, that that the world that I live in would be peaceful enough that I can live in such a way that no one would ever confuse where my hope lies. They're not confused as to what I'm trusting in. It doesn't look like I'm hoping in a free market capitalistic economy. It doesn't look like I'm hoping in my investments on Wall Street. It doesn't look like I'm hoping in the supremacy of the Republican Party. It doesn't look like I'm hoping in those things. I'm praying to God to allow me to live in a way that it's obvious by my godliness and dignity that I'm hoping in something far greater than any of these things.
we are to pray this way so that we can live, so that we can live quiet, uh, or so that we can live godly and dignified lives. And then thirdly, we pray this way, and we pray for the advance of the gospel. So number three is for the advance of the gospel. Look at verses three and following. This is good. It's good, it's good to pray this way. It's good to live this way. It's good that there would be peace and quiet. This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth, the truth being that he is king and his kingdom reigns. For there is one God. There's one supreme emperor. And there's one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. For this was appointed, for this I was appointed, a preacher and an apostle. I'm telling the truth, I'm not lying. A teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. So Paul is praying, or Paul's telling Timothy, pray for your rulers.